For those who don't know, my name is Michael Bates. I am not Dr. Mark Herod. He is on a little break uh, taken right now. And so I was called up from the bullpen, and here I is. I'm going to bring a message to you this morning. And it's a privilege to be here and just ask for a little prayer for you guys, um, for you guys, for you guys pray for us. For the youth, we'll be leaving this Thursday morning through Sunday for our Bible camp that we lead down in Panama City, Florida. So it's for safe travels and for the Word of God to move in our youth. All right, I have uh, some things to tell you that might be true or might not be true about me. I'll give you four. You got to decide, maybe that one's a true one, maybe not. Here we go. Number one, I had a little scholarship, tiny, to play uh, football for Carson Newman College, but it didn't work out because of God's calling into the ministry. But then I also began singing with another group, sponsored by the Baptist Student Union. So even though I didn't get to play football and get that scholarship, I actually got a scholarship singing for the Baptist Student Union, which led me to the ministry here. Two, in the early 1990s, I was an alternate to the combat show American Gladiators when they were on tour here in the Tri-Cities. Three, in a sweepstakes program, I actually won a small boat when I was in college. And finally, number four, I got to meet two famous football players, Ronnie Lott and Marcus Allen, when they played for the Oakland Raiders when they were in town in Cincinnati playing the Bengals. And that's where my dad lived, and I got to meet him. So, there's four scenarios. Which one is true? But wait, before you start guessing, here's some more options. Maybe none of them are true. Now think about that. Wait, let me give you some more options. Maybe there's more than one truth. So maybe one, two, and three are true and four is false. Or one, two, four is true, three is false. Or four, three, one, but two is false. Oh, wait, there's another option. Maybe they're half-truths. So maybe all of one, half of two, mostly of three, and none of four. Or all of four, half of two, one of three, but none ain't count one. Which one is it? So I'll let you all digest, and please write down your letters, uh, put your things, and put them in the uh, offering plate as it passes, and with the winner gets the free. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Let me tell you the absolute truth. Michael, there's too many options. You've set us up to fail. Yes, I did. Here's the absolute truth of those scenarios. I did not have a scholarship to play for Carson Newman College, but I wanted to walk on, but that's not a scholarship. But while I was waiting to walk on, I did try out and start singing for a group sponsored by the Baptist Student Union, which opened up the doors to the youth ministry to me, so there was a half-truth in there, right? Two, yes, absolutely true, believe it or not, in the early 1990s, I was an alternate for the combat show American Gladiators when they were here in Tri-Cities and I was in Freedom Hall doing that stuff. Three, yes. In a sweepstakes, when I was going through this, I actually remember doing this. I said, oh, I forgot about that. I actually won a boat while I was in college. But when I talked to my brother about it, we looked at all the ins and outs of it. It was probably like a four-foot boat, like for one person, maybe one, one small person. But the thing was, it's yours, but you had to come pick it up in California or get it transported, which would cost four times as much to get it. Than to, so it was, we just let it go. And finally, Ronnie Lott. Marcus Allen, the Oakland Raiders. I was in town at Cincinnati watching that game, the Bengals and the Raiders. And I did not meet them. I just saw them going up an escalator. But that's as far as I got. All right. Now, 
What I did there is something you never have to worry about dealing with God's word. There are no half-truths. There are no partial truths. There is no maybe, maybe, maybe not, could be, oh, I think, could have, would, no. God's word doesn't play games. It is absolutely true. We're going to dive into that concept today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 18, uh, verses 33, 38. They will be on the screens, but you can also follow along in your Bibles because I will be referring to other chapters in John and some other places. But you can follow along if you want to. So here's the context before we start reading. Jesus is before Pilate in the trial. So let's see what happens. Then Pilate went back into the headquarters. He summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own or have others told you about me? I'm not a Jew, am I? Pilate replied. Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus said. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. You are a king then, Pilate asked. You say that I'm a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this, and I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What is truth? Pilate asked. And there you have it. This is the battle we've been fighting for thousands of years. Believers are bearing witness to the truth of God's word. And the world, the unbelievers, have cynicism and even scoff at the word truth. Capital T. Now let's look a little bit deeper. Jesus in these scriptures actually turn the tables on the man who could free him and question Pilate himself. End of 33, are you the king of the Jews? He asked Jesus. Remember, and Jesus said, are you asking this on your own or have others told you about me? Meaning, what's the witness? Are you testifying that I am him? I am the king, or as someone told you, who's your witness? You or someone else? Now, this sounds familiar because if just a few verses earlier on, at the trial in front of the head priest, we see this conversation going on in a different way. John 18, 19 through 23. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teachings. Like, you said you're the, you say you're a king. You say you're the, all these things, right? Here's what Jesus says. I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogue and in the temple where all the Jews gather. And I haven't spoken anything in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who heard what I told them. Look, they know what I said. Now, when he had said these things, one of the officials standing by Slap Jesus in the face saying, is this the way you answer the high priest? That's how they talk. You didn't know that. If I have spoken wrongly, Jesus answered him, give evidence about the wrong. But if rightly, 
why do you hit me? Jesus has always been about telling the truth and being the truth to let others know about the truth. He has done nothing but preach and talk about the truth. But when people do not like the capital T truth, in this instance, what? They strike him in the face. It happens to believers today. Maybe not fully accosted them physically, but we do know verbally, and even now the cancel culture if you don't, they don't like your truth. Now let's move on even earlier in John 17. Halfway through a prayer that Jesus is praying to his father, he brings the disciples and his followers into the picture of the prayer. And here's where we're going to pick up on it. He says, they, meaning the disciples, are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Ready? That's the T word. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So sanctify them through the word. But wait a second, who is the word? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. So he's talking about himself. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. The only statement any human can ever say is done by Jesus right here. Look, I sanctify myself for them so that they may also be sanctified by your truth. That's a big study message in itself, a few Bible studies in there, and a couple Sunday school lessons also. Sanctification. This means that believers, Christians, are being set apart to serve and worship Lord Jesus Christ, only him. This means our main desire as believers should be to be obedient to God and to walk in his holiness. But it doesn't stop there. Go back to the capital T truth. Where does that come into the equation? He talks about it, refers to it, and there it is. But what do we do with it? Well, truth is how you accomplish this process of being sanctified. Or put a shun on it, sanctification. John MacArthur commentary says this, sanctification is accomplished by means of truth, which is the revelation that the Son gave regarding to all that the Father commanded him to communicate is now contained in the scriptures left by the apostles. So let's look at what this truth will do. It's up on the screen, John 8, 31, 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus just lists, if you like, list three things. One, to get this sanctification truth thing going, you must believe in Jesus Christ. That's it, to the Jews who had believed him. They had to believe in who he is. Then Jesus says, obedience. If you hold to my teaching, he's the truth, remember. This is the evidence or fruit, if you will, of real faith. What happens after that? You will be 
free. Yay, free from what? Well, I'm glad you asked. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, 2. Free from the law of sin. Free from the law of death. God's law screams, get ready, that we are all guilty. We are not good people. We are depraved. We are corrupt. We are a very selfish people. But Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. See, we're free from that yoke, that burden of sin in Christ Jesus. We have been set free to live for Christ. So we should stand firm and stop, as Paul's saying, going back to the yoke and being entangled again by sin. Stop it. Now, just to make sure we're on the same page. I know Mark went over this a few weeks ago. We need to look at it one more time. Make sure we understand what justification, sanctification, and glorification means. Big words, simple to explain. Justification, first and foremost, means we're really guilty. Everybody's guilty. We've broken God's law. James 2.10 says, if you're guilty of one of the commandments, you're guilty of them all. Romans 3.10 tells us there's no one righteous, no, not one. So, justification is this. God draws you to his son. Then we believe in totality who Jesus is. He's Jesus incarnate. He is the virgin birth, right? It is the virgin birth. Where he's perfect. He died for our sins, past, present, and future. He died in the grave and three days rose again. He's now seated at the right hand of the Father. Then we confess and then we repent of our sins. Then we put our total trust, Christ Jesus forever, justification done. Then comes sanctification. It's living by truth, okay? Living by the truth. That's God's word. We're growing. We're maturing. We're leading. We're witnessing. And we're giving God the glory in all that we say, do, and think. We're becoming more holy, right? We're, we're becoming more like Christ, even the, developing the mind of Christ. But we don't do these things for a special blessing or special favor from God. Goody, goody. No. We do these things because how much love he has shown us on the cross. And we're gladly to take up the cross and follow him regardless of the outcome on this earth. But sanctification has three movements, if you will. Here we go. It's positional, progressive, and perfection. You may not have heard these things, but you've heard them around, maybe not put in this specific way. So let's look at these. What's the positional one? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, it says this. It is from him, God, that you are in Christ Jesus. Who became wisdom from God for us and our righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Positional means past. It happened one time. That's a one-time act of being sanctified for his glory. Then comes the progressive part. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 and following says... For this is God's will. Okay, what's God's will? Pretty simple. Your sanctification. Oh, is that simple? Yeah. 
oh, wait, there's something to keep away from. Then keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions like the Gentiles who don't know God. Going to verse 7, for God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness. Consequently, anyone who rejects this does not reject man, but who gives but rejects God who gives you his Holy Spirit. So we got positional, past, one-time act. And we got progression, lifelong pursuit, trying to work and discipline our bodies through the leading of Christ. And then you got perfection. Perfection is the final thing. What's perfection? Simple. It's glorification. We're made right. The day we die, we're present with God. And there you go. So we see that the truth will set you free. The truth is the only way we will and can be sanctified. And the truth is found in all this process of being justified, being sanctified, or being glorified. So the question is, how are you doing with this truth? Because it has everything to do with salvation and your life. As a matter of fact, it has everything to do with anything. When God speaks, truth speaks. When truth commands or promises, it's God who is promising And it is God who is commanding. Why? Because God is truth. Truth is not just rhetorical, my friends. Truth is not an option. You can choose or not to choose, even though you think you can. Truth is not relative. There's not one truth for one group of people and a different truth for another group of people. Uh Uh-uh. No way with a capital T. See what I did there? It's not true. Truth is not made by man. It comes from above. It's from God. It's the big D word. Truth is divine. You see, truth does not evolve from the culture, and thus man is the author. No. God is the author of truth, of all truth. Truth never changes because why? God never changes. There's no new truth. God is established, thus truth will always be established. How we know that? Scripture tells us that. Isaiah 48, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures what? Forever. Psalm 119.89, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It goes on, Matthew 24.35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Amen. Making sure you're out there. You cannot set apart truth from God's word because God's word is truth. You getting the phrase going on here? It is truth that Jesus prayed for those who follow him. He says, sanctify them, remember, in the truth. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the word from the very beginning. And what is the Bible? It's the most relevant book of all times. It transcends time. It transcends culture. It transcends persons. It speaks to every generation, to every culture, no matter what's going on in each and every situation. Now, John MacArthur once said, you don't take the word of God, twist it, alter it, change it, embellish it, diminish it. Mm -mm, We don't have that right. Basically, you're not supposed to change the word of God because that you think maybe I feel it should say something different to fit this culture or situation that I'm in. Uh, A pastor named Steve Lawson once said, we are only messengers, talking about ministers, 
not the editors of God's word. It is always up to date and more relevant than tomorrow's newspaper. So guys, truth is reality. Truth is the way things are. Here's what Jesus says how things are going for us today. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world. And men love the darkness rather than the light. For their deeds were evil. Have you not listened to the news lately? Past year, past five, past 2,000 years? For everyone who does evil hates the light. And does not come to the light for fear that its deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. The world hates the light. They hate real truth. It desires uncertainty. It desires doubt. The world runs to its darkness and they bathe in it. And you even see them applauding other people. When they bathe in darkness and reject the truth, they encourage it, they love it. But believers, we are supposed to be running to the light, running to the truth. And we, want, we should be wanting to be surrounded by the light of all times as you are today and relish in the warmth of the light. But some of us, not you, surely have problems in our Christian walk. And sometimes this happens. Romans 10, 2, 3. For I bear them record, Paul says, that they have a zeal of God. Now, this is a tongue twister. Let me get through it. But not according to knowledge, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness and not submitting themselves into the righteousness of God. How much good wood, chuck, chuck, wood, chuck, wood, wood? Ah, good question. Here it is. Basically, what he's saying is, okay, there's a lot of people who are really zealous for the Lord. They're all fire, yeah, but they have made a mistake. They think God's righteousness is close to theirs. They've missed the boat, so to say. It's in California, still waiting to be transferred over by Michael Bates because he won that back in the long years. Okay, the thing is, I made an analogy this morning, so I'll use it again. Think about the Empire State Building. Pretend that's the highest you can go with of righteousness. So God is at the tip, tip top of that antenna, the very top of it. We, our righteousness, is at the ground floor looking up going, yep, almost there. No. God's righteousness and our righteousness are not even close. But there are those who are zealous for the Lord, and all of a sudden they start getting confused. They allow compromise in their life and as a Christian walk, and they begin to see themselves actually being righteous than they are because they think they're close to God. Uh-uh. No way, no how. That's where we start twisting and begin to have our own truth. And that's not what the word of God says. He is holy. He is the absolute pinnacle of righteous. We have nothing. There's a thing called imputed righteousness. You remember? Jesus had to give us righteousness. But yet we're still in the flesh and we still corrupt it. But yet it's Jesus' righteousness. It's nothing to do with us. We got to get our own minds. That's the problem with us. Now, with this twistedness of truth... It began a long time ago. How long ago? Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 and following. Now, the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, 
Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, I've done my Greek and Hebrew studies. I'm pretty sure this is how she sounded. We may eat of the fruit from the trees in the garden, but the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said you must not eat or touch it or you will die. Well, if y'all know this, but that's not what God said earlier on. Look back a few chapters, see. No, he did not say that. She's already embellishing on God's word. He don't need embellishments. His word is true. Don't need to. He did not say don't touch it or you'll die. He says don't eat of it. She added God's word. All right? She added to it. Serpent goes, no, you will not die. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at. And it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she ate some of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband. Twisting the truth of God's word. Twisting the truth. This has always been the main attack of the devil from the beginning. Taking God's word and pushing it all the way over here to the, my right, your left, I guess, whatever. But mainly like Pharisees and it's all about this and do that, do that, and do that. Boom, boom, really rigid, strict. To taking God's word and pushing it all the way over here. Meaning, uh, it's true for you if it's true for me and it feels good. And do it. Oh, yeah, God loves me. There's so many paths to God. Uh, corrupting it all. No, 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 no. Let's go back to the middle. Because that's where truth is. It doesn't go left or right. It's in that straight down the middle. This is the path to God. It's the truth of who he is. God's word is not ambiguous. How many times did Jesus tell these religious leaders, Pharisees, scribes, and Sadducees, when he's getting ready to tell them something, they're going, wait a second, what about this? He goes, have you not read or have you not heard saying, you guys are the smart ones. That, it's right there. It's in the scriptures. Read it. Don't you understand? See, God's word is not a secret. It's not secret codes and all that stuff in there. God's word is true and it's right there. It's all about the truth. Here's the interesting thing. I want to turn for you. Here it is, 2 John and 3 John. Let's see what John says. What's important about the gospel? What's important about this whole thing we're talking about. Ready? Second John. I'll put my finger up to count them. The elder to the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth. And not only I, but also who know the truth because of the truth that remains in us forever. Grace, mercy, peace be with all of us from God the Father, from Jesus Christ the Son, the Father in truth. Verse 4. It was very glad. I was very glad that some of you children were walking in truth. Four verses, five truths already. Third John. To my dear friends, Gaius, whom I love in the truth, dear friends, I pray that you are prospering. Remember, in truth already. In every way that you are good health, just as your whole life is going well. For I was very glad when the fellow believers came and testified to your fidelity to the truth. How you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this to hear that my children are walking in truth. In verse 8, therefore we ought to support such people so we can be co-workers with the truth. Truth, truth, truth. Do we get the answer? Truth. It's over and over and over again. Romans 1.18 even talks about the truth. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness 
and wickedness of those who by their wickedness suppress the truth. Goes on to say, they exchange the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things better than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Need I say more? Yes, I will. There was a secular survey a few years ago that said that 85% of believers in Jesus claimed to be evangelical. Yeah. Okay, but then the next thing said only 12% of those evangelicals believed in absolute truth. What? That's an oxymoron. To be a truly evangelical, you got to believe in absolute truth. But only 12% of that 85% who said that, there's compromise going on. There's some problems going on in our church in the body of Christ at that time. Truth does not compromise. The truth, it has the first say. It has the middle say. It has the last say in all matters. It's not, okay, it's not based strictly on like emotions, okay? The more emotion you get, the truer it is. No, God's word doesn't flutter around like a butterfly of wind and wherever it goes, that's where truth's gonna be. No, truth is concrete. Truth is complete. Truth is pure. Truth is perfect. It is black and white. I don't remember where I heard this last night, but it rings true. You will not grow one inch beyond your intake of the truth of God's word. Truth has the right to rule our lives because it's sovereign. It's God. Truth has no errors. No matter how much you want to twist it, change it, merge it, make it feel, eh, it can't. It has no errors. You can't change. Truth is not a Disney movie. Just follow your heart. Yeah. The Bible is very clear that our hearts are filthy and corrupt and is the major cause of our temptations. Truth is true no matter what your heart or feelings, or thinking wants it to be. Remember, truth is whatever God says it is, because God settles it. It is truth because that is what it is. Sin is what God says it is. Salvation is what God says it is. Heaven is what God says it is. Hell is what God says it is. We just talked about justification is what God says it is. Sanctification, becoming holy, is what God says it is. Being glorified is what God says it is. The Word of God is what God says it is. Jesus is who God says He is. Nothing else matters. So how are you doing in this relationship with truth in your life? It's pretty important because your life hangs in the balance. You see, God's word, it does discriminate. And God's word is totally intolerant. There's only one truth in the universe, my friends. It's absolute. And no one can escape it. This truth will never contradict itself. And that is the good news for believers. Because this truth of God's word says he will never leave you nor forsake you. And he has prepared a place for you in heaven. This means, one more time, that that freedom thing, all your sins 
are wiped away. Past, yeah, we know that. Present, yeah. But we're talking about the future too, the day you die. The, that's what was done on the cross. That's the whole process of all this shuns we've been talking about. Justification, sanctification, glorification. Christ has done that, and that's what we're getting ready to do, to recognize the truth, to remember that moment 2,000 years ago that we get to celebrate salvation in Christ through the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Back to the original question. How are you doing with this truth? Because this truth has made you free if you're a believer. And you're free to live your life in Christ. So how are you doing with this truth? Because this truth is the power of God to salvation. And you will never grow a bit in your Christian walk without relishing and running and bathing in the truth and the light of God's word and who he is. Let's pray. Father, God, as we move into a time to take your sacrament, Father, of the bread and and the juice, Father, that represents your body and your blood, help us understand right now in our seats where we need to adjust our life back to you. We may let some of that worldly truth get into our thinking and belief system. I pray that we'll be quick, fast, in a hurry to repent that to you. And for those words that have encouraged us, oh, help it just be that much sweeter as we take the bread and the juice, Father, that you recognize and celebrate the truth of who you are. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.